I, I've been here for 11 months, and, and during my time here, I've heard a lot of great things about the work that Walnut Way is doing, and so I was very honored when Sharon sent me an email and asked me to say a few words tonight. So it's a pleasure to be here. So, so I'm assuming that not everybody knows a lot about MSOE. Uh, don't feel bad. We are a bit of a well-kept secret. And so I, I wanted to say just a few words about this institution. Uh, we were founded in 1903 by a young German immigrant, 23-year-old uh, German immigrant by the name of Oscar Werwath. And Werwath was an electrical engineer, and he saw a need to start a school to support the growing industry around the city of Milwaukee. We started a school at night. He would teach classes in German. It was very successful. Uh, very hands-on, applied type of education designed to get people to go to work in industry. Highly regarded by industry. Um, we're 114 years old. Uh, by the way, I am president number five. 114 years old and I am president number five. So the longevity bar here at this place is pretty high. Um, we've changed a lot in 114 years. We have a number of different engineering degrees that we offer now. We also offer degrees in nursing, in business, in technical communications, in education. Uh, we have become much more of a comprehensive university, but engineering is still our bread and butter. Uh, we have about 2,800 students, um, most of them at the undergraduate level. We have a few master students, and this year our students came from 39 states and 32 countries. But in that time, there's one thing that has not changed about MSOE, and that is our commitment to providing a rigorous hands-on applications type of education that prepares students to succeed. And we're very proud of that. And, and that clearly works. If you look last year, uh, graduates from our, our school were placed at a 97% placement rate in their area of study. And I can tell you from experience that that's a pretty hard number to beat. So perhaps my first guiding principle as president is don't mess this up. We've got a pretty good thing going here, and I don't want to change that. So as I mentioned, we were founded to support the city of Milwaukee and doing so remains a very high priority for our school and a very high priority for me. We do that in many different ways. The most obvious one, of course, is educating students, engineering students, nursing students, business students to go to work in industry and organizations around our city. And we do that very well. And we do it in other ways as well. We have uh, student groups that work on projects throughout our city. One example of that is we had students from our honors program that worked on a project to help design the Fondi Market Green Space. And that was through our care, uh, Michael Carrier, who's the head of our honors program. Thank you for that. Um, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also do summer camps. Uh, we have a lot of camps for students. Uh, this summer we'll have some 400 students taking K-12 students from around the city. Uh, coming and taking engineering for kids summer camps on our campus and my understanding from Sharon is that Walnut Way will sponsor some of those kids from the neighborhood coming here. So whatever the means we are very committed to helping our city uh, improve and advance. So there's no doubt to me that the, the greatest resource that we have is our students. They are hard-working, smart, ambitious, and very very creative students. And in my opinion if we can unleash those talents on projects around our community. Not only will it pay great dividends from the, for the citizens of Milwaukee, it also really enhances the education of our students. And so we are very, very uh, happy and proud of the, of the relationship that we have with Walnut Way now, 
and uh, we look forward to figuring out ways and discussing ways to make that relationship even stronger. Starting this fall, we'll go through a comprehensive st uh, strategic planning process where we define what we want MSOE to look like in the next seven to 10 years and a set of initiatives for getting us there and community engagement will be a very big part of that strategic planning process. Um, I want to acknowledge two people that are here today. Uh, we've been doing some hiring in my time here. Uh, we have with us, uh, standing back here, Mr. Jeff Snow, uh, raising his hand there. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff is our new Vice President for Development and Alumni Affairs. And standing next to Jeff is Mr. Where, is, where did he go? Over here. Um, you've moved. Uh, he's Mr. Saj Stachenkerry, and Saj is our Executive Director for Marketing and Community Engagement. So Saj, good to see you. Before I close, I just want to say a couple of words about the facility that you're in now. Uh, this is the Groman Museum, and it was, a debt, it was a gift to us from Eckhart Groman. He was an industrialist and was also a very big collector of art, and he described it as an obsession to collect art. Um, he's probably our biggest benefactor. Um, all of the pieces that you see in the museum were his, and he has his artwork displayed all over our campus and including my office. Um, he collects many different types of art, but his particular interest is people at work. And so this museum is dedicated to paintings of people at work uh, in just about every type of profession that you can imagine there's a painting here. So if you get some time, I would encourage you to walk through it. It's a wonderful place. There's also a, an original Norman Rockwell in here as well. And that's probably one of his prized possessions. It is a tremendous museum. When he gave us the, the work, uh, one stipulation was we cannot sell any of it. So if we ever hit tough times, we cannot sell Eckhart's uh, artwork. Uh, he was very smart. So I, I want to just thank you for coming here. It's a pleasure to have you on our campus. We look forward to working with Walnut Way, and I hope you have a great evening tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you, President Walsh, for the wonderful introduction and for opening this beautiful museum for us, for painting a vision even as you go into strategic planning that calls for community engagement and excellence in our neighborhoods. Thank you. And hi, guests. I am so glad you're here. You know, you throw a party, but then you just really never know. <laughs> We're here to raise money, to celebrate, to be happy, and to make sure that our world is a better place. And work that transforms the lives and fortunes of individuals and cities in our country work that translates into an abundance of wealth, an abundance of technological innovation and progress, and an abundance of knowledge. Those that know me know that I have a particular bent towards abundance. Because we're often framed in our communities in scarcity. And that's just not true. So the innovations in Wellness Commons in Lindsay Heights, somewhere around 16th and North Avenue, is a place that touches on every aspect of what it means to be abundant, whole, and healthy. Physically healthy with integrated health and wellness services and fresh delicious food and drink. Economically healthy with sustainable jobs and benefits, job training, and revitalized commercial corridors 
educationally healthy with science, technology, engineering, and math program that educates and inspires our children to soar. Some of us call this a third event, a third place, where you can come together in love and association. We believe that healthy neighborhoods create caring communities where people can live, contribute, and proudly raise their families. Our goal is to engage and beautify the neighborhood as well as harness the tremendous assets to restore prosperity with a comprehensive economic strategy. And we do this together. We do it over and over as we walk this path together. And from my vantage point, not only are you beautiful, but I see so many of you walking on this path to prosperity. Tonight we celebrate phase two of the Innovations and Wellness Commons on 16th and North. And this is the second of two phase development project that is driving the economic and environmental restoration of commercial corridors on West North Avenue between I-43 and 27th. Do you know that there used to be 250 black businesses in this area? Amazing. They're gone, but we're bringing back more businesses. Not only is it about work, but it is about in controlling and being a part of the history of that work. So phase two is a new 11,500 square foot building that will be built on a parking lot. And at the, earlier today I was asked, oh, well, what was on that parking lot? And it was a natatorium and a library where I learned to swim and I learned that the books always gave me comfort and adventure. And my sister told me that you can go any place with a book. But for 30 plus years, it's been a parking lot. The end. We're building this. And we know that development will follow. We already know that $125 million in real estate development in Lindsay Heights and adjacent neighborhoods has occurred or is under development. Now, my beloved our speaker said that we didn't do it all, but we can claim it. That we spurred this development. And so tonight we celebrate those of you that dream and act in faith with us. Tonight's sponsors, especially our event host, MSOE, and I, I said to John that you're going to hear thank you a lot tonight. It's sincere, it's authentic, and we mean it who is emerging as Walnut Way's newest partner. Special thanks to our collaborator, Outpost Natural Foods Co-op. They don't say no, they say how? How do we get this changed? How do we do it? Thank you to our board members and capital campaign and advisory staff. Would you raise your hands? Quickly, come on now. Oh, 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 oh. See, there's lots of them in here and they work and they work and it's not about quitting it's about finding the pathway of service i also want to thank um, milwaukee center for independence the juice kitchen coral Cent central milwaukee jobs work <laughs> walnut way engineering for kids milwaukee brewing and i'm going to stop there we wanted a coffee shop in our community. And we had a lot of potential choices. But then we found Milwaukee uh, Brewing. Have you ever heard of them? Come in, anybody? Yeah, look at that. Oh, I hadn't. 
And here is Stone Creek investing in four or more people that want to be coffee brewers and run coffee shops. And they look like the people in the neighborhood we want to serve. And they're serving you coffee tonight. I don't know, is Chad Johnson in the room? Okay. So that's what we do. This is a place of opportunity. Please have cakes from Avia. Again, her, enjoy her desserts. It's another entrepreneurial uh, enterprise. And here's a talent. Um, she's on her way to getting her PhD in math. Okay? But she wants her company to have these cookies. Tonight, a special thank you to our investors and, and partners, both in phase one and two, especially our donors, such as Amy and Bob Arsbecker, Randy Baker, the CEO of Accuant Community Foundation, and Susan Lloyd of the Zilber Foundation. Why do I name them out? Because every gift matters. And gifts have been coming in tonight. I like it. But they took a big risk early on. And they stayed with us. And we thank you. Tonight, we have a powerful presentation by Mary Patillo. We, are, we have so much home talent. And Mary has, will be introduced. And this is the only introduction on the program tonight. Mary will be introduced by B.J. Johnson. B.J., that's your cue. <laughs> now, as B.J. is walking up here, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. So BJ was like this the first time I met him in Walnut Way. Not the first time I met him. And my husband told him a story, I don't know if he remembers, but we have lots of gardens in Walnut Way. And Larry pulled out a carrot and he said, BJ, carrots don't come from a can. And of course, BJ already knew that, I'm sure. Okay then. <laughs> but today, this week, when I walked out of my house, there was BJ in the garden, and he's managing our youth program. That's what we're talking about here. <laughs> BJ is a high school graduate. He received a full tuition, room, board, and book scholarship. He's on his way to Howard University, where he will be a peer leader. In other words, he will be influencing other people in their leadership. BJ? Thank you for that introduction, to the introduction. So, I guess we can just begin. Uh, good evening. My name is Benjamin Johnson, and today I will be introducing our speaker for tonight, Dr. Mary Patillo. Dr. Patillo grew up on Milwaukee's north side. She received her bachelor's degree from Columbia University and her master's and doctorate degrees from the University of Chicago. She's the Harold Washington Professor of Sociology and African American Studies at Northwestern University. She has also written multiple scholarly articles that have been published in academic and economic publications. She is the author of two critically acclaimed books that were published by the University of Chicago Press. They are Black Picket Fences and Black on the Block, The Politics of Race and Class in the City. On top of all of her amazing achievements, Dr. Patillo also happens to be my aunt. She's very good at that too. So tonight, Dr. Patillo We'll be talking about the historical and contemporary strengths of 
of neighborhoods like Milwaukee's Lindsay Heights and collective efforts like the Commons to celebrate and build on those strengths. So without further ado, please welcome my aunt, Dr. Patilla. So uh, you all know as a proud aunt, I feel like we could all go home now. BJ has spoken. Isn't, aren't we all done now? Wasn't that beautiful? Wasn't that wonderful? <laughs> um, it's really a pleasure to be here. Um, thanks to Sharon for the invitation, to Nancy for the invitation, and thanks everyone for coming. This is us. We saw your news trucks and cameras here recently, and we read the articles. Six shot in South Shore laundromat, and another mass shooting in Terror Town. We saw the reporters with fancy suits in front of our laundromat. You spent less than 24 hours here, but you don't really know us. This is the beginning of the 2014 poem, You Don't Really Know Us, written collectively by the fifth grade class at an elementary school in South Shore in Chicago, near where I live and near the neighborhoods that I've studied for the last 20 years. The poem highlights the outsider's view of urban black neighborhoods as dangerous and desperate. I want to frame my remarks today using pieces of poetry and prose by those most knowledgeable about black neighborhoods, the residents themselves. Their words move us from an emphasis on pathology and oppression to one of celebration, resilience, and agency. All of these themes are relevant for the work that Walnut Way does and its important efforts to cultivate life in Lindsay Heights and its surrounding communities. So the first poem that I just read, or the beginning of it, represents the negative images about black neighborhoods that bombard us through every medium. For example, the research by an organization called The Color of Change shows that the local news stations in New York City 75% uh, of the criminal offenders shown on the local news are black, whereas 51% of those arrested are black, and of course we know that figure is inflated by over-policing in black neighborhoods. So the news media is our favorite culprit for the kinds of images we see about black communities, but I would argue that my own field of social science research is equally guilty. The pathology paradigm, as it's often called, has a long history in the social sciences, from Daniel Patrick Moynihan's scathing reproach of black families in the 1960s, to Charles Murray's accusations of welfare dependency in the 1980s, to Elijah Anderson's portrayal of a violent code of the streets in the 2000s. Like the news media, social science has a strong pathology bias when it comes to black communities. And what kind of public policy or community improvement efforts flow from such a negative depiction? Well, legal scholar Patricia Williams writes, quote, in the context of today's ghettos and inner cities and those places doomed to be called the third world, policies often envision poor and dying populations as separate, distant, severable. That word, severable, severable. In other words, there's nothing good to be saved here, so let's just cut it off, withhold resources, let the residents spend for themselves. And that kind of attitude is what's led to things like redlining and school underfunding. But that kind of approach, of approach has another face to it, 
Um, it's the wholesale urban renewal through what we know has often in the 1960s was called Negro removal, unfettered gentrification, clearance. But this is not the Walnut Way. The participants, staff, leadership of Walnut Way have spent way more than 24 hours in the community and they know what's, that what's on the news is not the whole story. Our next writer, Zora Neale Hurston, also takes up this theme that you don't really know us in her, art, in her essay, Art and Such. So the poem was written in 1938 and thus she uses the word Negro in the passage that I'm about to read. Hurston writes, Negroes love and hate and fight and play and strive and travel and have a thousand and one interests in life like other humans. When his baby cuts a new teeth, he brags as shamelessly as anyone else, without once weeping over the prospect of some clansman knocking it out if and when the child ever gets grown. So Hurston starts to move us in the direction of resilience, agency, and celebration by elaborating what the fifth graders meant when they opened their poem with, this is us. Black folks have a thousand and one interests in life, Hurston writes. But Hurston also recognizes that those who don't know us think we spend more of our time talking about oppression, talking about the literal and symbolic Klansmen waiting to violently curtail our aspirations. So along with pathology, oppression is another theme that frames the work of community building in black neighborhoods. Now don't get me wrong, oppression is real. Racism is real. The unequal treatment of black people in black neighborhoods is real, and unfortunately, Wisconsin and Milwaukee know that all too well. A 2017 report by a think tank based at the University of Wisconsin begins with the statement, quote, Wisconsin has the regrettable distinction of ranking among the worst states in the nation in terms of racial equality. Unemployment is three times higher for blacks in Wisconsin than for whites. The poverty rate among black families is over five times that of white families. Blacks are over 11 times as likely to be incarcerated as whites. In Milwaukee, the suspension rate for black elementary school students is over four times that of white students. In her research, sociologist Deva Pager found out, quote, just how much race matters in employment contexts when she found that being black was viewed as tantamount to being a convicted felon. And most recently, Matt Desmond has shown how evictions are concentrated in black neighborhoods in Milwaukee and that black women are particularly vulnerable to those evictions. The causes of these facts are manifold, but among them, surely, are the ideologies and practices of, of racism that Hurston conjures with the iconic figure of a Klansman. So there are many ways to address this historical and contemporary oppression, and one way is to emphasize how through their sheer force of humanity, residents of neighborhoods like Lindsay Heights have managed to persevere. This approach insists on celebrating the positives. So let's go back to our fifth grade Chicago poets who didn't just leave us thinking about the news. Their poem continues, quote, we want you to know us. We aren't afraid. We know that man on the corner. He works at the store and gives us free lemon heads. Those girls jumping rope are precious, Anaya, Nivea. The people in the suits are people not going to funerals, but going to church. 
That little creepy dog is Sinus, Lamar's dog. We're the kids who find great crates so we can shoot hoops. When the sun shine here, shines here, it's not God saying he wants to burn us. He sees us all with bright futures. Those who know us look at the ones who want to go to college, not the ones who dropped out of school. If you listen, you'll hear the laughter and the chattering from the group of girls on the corner who are best friends and really care about each other. Do you see the smile on the cashier's face when the kids walk in? Why? Because this neighborhood is filled with love. This isn't Chirac, this is home. This is us. I like this quote because I wonder, is that 2014 or 1980? Lemonheads? I'm like, they still eating lemonheads? That's like straight from Milwaukee, 21st of Roosevelt, lemonheads. So in work I've written with former graduate students, we refer to what these young students are doing as black placemaking. Black placemaking refers to the ways that urban black Americans create sites of endurance, belonging, and resistance. How people shift otherwise oppressive geographies to provide sites of play, pleasure, and politics. Black placemaking highlights how black folks have always transformed, segregated, and often violently enforced neighborhood boundaries into a black metropolis, as we call it in Chicago. As historian Earl Lewis argues, black folks turn segregation into congregation. So my example of black placemaking comes from Chicago and comes from the activity of dispersed public housing residents in Chicago. And I choose public housing residents because perhaps there is no more maligned public um, uh, group of people than public housing residents. And it's the group we least often celebrate. And so I want to celebrate some of the activities of public housing residents in very difficult circumstances in Chicago. This is from the <clears throat> 2014 Facebook page of the Stateway Gardens reunion. It says, okay, FB, Facebook, here's something you can run and tell everybody. The 36th Street Committee, low end, presents the 19th annual 36th Street Family Reunion. Our theme, staying connected, serving our community since 1995. Saturday, August 30th, 2014. So alongside this Facebook po post was a picture. Six women and 10 men, all African-American, all over 40, huddled close together in front of a painted cloth backdrop. Their bodies are interlocked, their hands are on each other's shoulders. A man in the front row is, in, is dressed in a loose-fitting deep plum shirt and slacks ensemble. Y'all know Midwest ensembles. <laughs> he has on a fedora and wears it following the advice of Chicago's well-known African-American hatters. Quote, always cock it. If it's not cocked, it means you're just learning. <laughs> a man to his left has on a yellow and red suit with a red vest and a matching pocket square. Two of the women sport their hair dyed blonde and one wears silver suede cowboy boots. They're all former residents of the Stateway Gardens Public Housing Complex on Chicago's South Side and they come together annually to celebrate their memories of life in the projects and to stake their place in Chicago despite efforts to remove them. The last high rise in the Stateway Gardens was demolished in 2007. Most of the high rises in Chicago have gone the way of Stateway Gardens, demolished to make room for new mixed income communities that mix low, middle, and high income families and upscale amenities and businesses. 
Across the U.S., nearly 250,000 people have been displaced by public housing demolitions, and over 80% of them have been African American. Yet while the high-rises might be gone, the former residents pull back together, reconstitute their bonds, relive their memories, and perform important acts of placemaking through these reunions and other forms of virtual and in-person collective gatherings. As the poet Maya Angelou wrote, quote, you may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust I'll rise. Even the children of former residents proclaim their public housing lineage. One woman writes, me and my pops at the pop Robert, Robert Taylor Holmes reunion. He grew up in building number 4101. Had to, ha I had to capture that. In, this was on the Robert Taylor family reunion Facebook page. So no matter the disregard, the disparagement, the disdain, and the demolition, black metropolis in Chicago still rises in celebration and pleasure, and that's the same kind of celebration and pleasure that Lindsay Heights will use to rise as well. The final poem is finally by a Milwaukeean, Miss Jindora Kelly, who I don't know, but was recently featured on a um, news service here in Milwaukee. She works as a creative artist at Carmen High School on the city's northwest side. A anybody know Jindora Kelly? Yay, good, excellent. Tell her I gave her a shout out. Okay, so she writes, the change in my pocketbook. Now I'm talking change, not change. This change in my pocketbook goes far beyond the jingle of nickels, dimes, and quarters. So she's talking about change. Walnut Way change. Walnut Way along with its many partners gathered here and partners to come. That's the kind of change she's talking about. It's a change rooted not in labeling neighborhoods as pathological, or dwelling on the reasons why there's so much work to do, but rather it's a change rooted in the celebration of the folks who have weathered the storm, the young people who have so much potential, the land that can produce jobs, food, homes, and wealth. It's a change rooted in the needs of those who live there, not planned for those who might come next. Yes, the change in your pocketbooks is important but only if it works for this larger, more important kind of change. This is us. Thank you.